Okay, this past hour of Shabbos, I got such serious shilas, like when I put the key in my challah, should I put my house key or my office key in the challah? Because if it's a school for Parnassah, where is it more important? Should I put the key to the bottom lock or the key to the top lock of the house? We sometimes lock the top lock. We always lock the bottom lock. Which key, what? You should be machin, put them all in, right. Should I put my car keys in if I would like to upgrade from a Hyundai to a Mercedes? Um, the, the, I, I make light of it, but there is a, a, uh, a minhag that is very widespread nowadays that people put a key in their challah the Shabbos after Pesach. So I want to discuss this minhag, um, particularly because I saw it discussed everywhere. Like if you're, if you're on the internet and you go on Jewish sites, like every, uh, Jew, every Jewish site reminds you, don't forget Shlissel Challah, don't forget to put Even on the intellectual Jewish blogs, they have uh, discussions of, you know, what the reasons that we do Shlissel Challah, you know, things that people who you'd expect to be much more critical in their thinking about it are uh, just very, uh, you know, accepting of it and say, yeah, of course, Everyone does shlishlucha. So I want to discuss whether we should or should not do it, what the basis of it is, and what potential pitfalls of shlishlucha might be, other than um, too much iron in your diet. Uh, the the history of shlishlucha is the first time that it's mentioned uh, that I was able to find that Tamei Amenhagim quotes from the Oev Yisrael, the Apta Rav, who lived. Uh, at the end of the 18th and early 19th century. So presumably he was writing this at the very beginning of the 19th century, the beginning of the 1800s, roughly 200 years ago. So 200 years ago is the first time we have any mention of Shlisl He says at the time that he writes it, he says this is a minhag avosenu, that it's a minhag that's existed. We don't know for how long it's existed, but it has existed for some time before. The, the Abderav says he didn't make it up. It's existed before then. We don't know how much longer, but we do know at least as far as I know, it's it's not written any safer prior to that point. The minug is essentially the Shabbos after Pesach to either, and the way it's recorded in the early Hasidic Shasvarim, is either to shape the challah like a key, or to make an imprint on the challah with a key, or to make sesame seeds in the shape of a key on top of the challah, but not, it doesn't say in any, anywhere in the early Svarim, to actually stick a, kal, a, a key in the challah, to actually put a key in the challah. Even, and even the Svarim that do talk about using an actual key, more recent vintage Svarim, they talk about putting a key on the challah, not putting a key inside the, uh, the, the challah, but just like resting it on, on top of the, uh, the challah. So the, uh, the, the question, okay, that is the minhag. That's the minhag as it's quoted. Why, why do we have such a, why do some people have such a minhag? Where does this minhag come from? So first of all, the fact that Pesach relates to Parnassa, you know, cynical me says, of course everyone does it. It's a school for Parnassa. It's not a school for like uh, something like uh, children who are Ovdei Hashem and Yerushimayim. That no one would do, but a uh, school for Parnassa, something that really matters. Every, everyone jumps to do a school for Parnassa. But the truth is, Pesach does relate to Parnassah in the, the following way. The second Mishnah Masech Roshana tells us that on Pesach, the world is Nidon al We are judged for the grain. There is a Machlokas Rishon, and what that means that we're Nidon al After all, isn't Rosh Hashanah the day that we're decided, uh, that Akash Baruch decided, we're over in front of Kivnei Maron, and Akash Baruch decides what each person, how each person's year is going to go, and how much Parnassah we're going to make? So the Ran answers that on Rosh Hashanah it's decided how much each individual is going to get. But on Pesach, the world's Parnassah is decided. How much grain is there going to be in the world is Pesach decision of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. On Rosh Hashanah, HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides who's going to get what. 
And uh, the Mordechai says a little bit different. The Mordechai says that uh, no, in uh, Roshana it's decided how much money, but the actual grain, the actual, uh, or Roshana's decided rather um, uh, whether we're going to live or die, mi be'esh, mi be'mayim, all that stuff. But the actual parnasa, that's really a Pesach decision, the Mordechai suggests. So there is definitely some connection from the Mishnah in Roshana, rather, the second Mishnah Roshana, that there is a connection between Pesach and parnasa. But where does the idea come from to put a key in the chala, shape a, chala, a chala like a key, put a shape of a key on a chala, imprint a, chala, a key on the chala? So there, uh, the Aptarav in in uh, in Oiv Yisrael, the Aptarav suggests a couple of possible answers, and the, the the reasons are quoted in the Sefer Tamei and Hagim as well as the more recent Sefer Minag Yisrael Torah, where he says the following: that based on the pasuk in Shir Hashirim, where Hakadosh Baruch Hu asks us in Shir Hashirim to liachosi rayasi pis. Open up for me, uh, my my sister, my beloved. Hakadosh uh, Baruch Hu says to us, and that we refer, we assume that this relates to Hakadosh Baruch. The concept that all Hakadosh Baruch Hu asks for us to develop a relationship with Him is to open up a little tiny hole between in the, in the the thick layer that sometimes separates us from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and then we open up al Machat, the tiny little hole, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu will blow it wide open, will make a much larger hole out of it, and will be will allow us to connect in a much more meaningful way. So that's where the key comes from. That right after, right after the Yontif of Pesach, we show Hakadosh Baruch Hu that we want to start that that relationship that we were inspired by when we read Shira Shirim. And how are we going to do it? Dafka with the Chalas. Why? Because the Chalas represent the mitzvah of Shabbos or the mitzvah of Hafrashas Chala. Different uh, different versions, but the, there is mitzvahs associated with chalas. Either the mitzvah, the mitzvahs of Shabbos, or the mitzvah of Onik Shabbos, or the mitzvah of uh, of Hafrashas Chala. And through that, we're connecting to the Ribbon Shalom. So it's all about reminding ourselves that we're using this as a way of connecting to the Ribbon Shalom. That's what's supposed to be going through our minds, according to the Aptarav when we put the key in. Another explanation the Aptarav gives is that in Er we no longer had the Mun. so that's when the gates of Parnassa needed to be opened. So that's when we start doing things to inspire us to have a Muna and a Kaddish Baruch Hu, that he's going to give us Parnassah and recognize that all the Parnassah goes, goes through him. Others say that it relates to the 49 gates during Svira, the 49 gates that we go through in order to create a relationship with a Kaddish Baruch Hu from Pesach to Shavu. So you have to open each of those gates with a key. The Yismach Yisrael says that Matzah's Bivchinas Yerashamayim. Matzah represents Yerash Hashem. And the Gemara in Shabbos Tavlamad Aleph tells us that if a person has Torah but no Yerashamayim, it's as if he has the key to this room but not the key to the building. It's not going to help you. You can't get into the room unless you get into the building first. Yerashamayim is the key. You need the key of Yerashamayim to get into the building and then you can have the Torah which gets you into the, into the inner sanctum, into the inner room, into this glorious room. But that, that's the, uh, so says the, the Yismach Yisrael, so that's why we dafka use a key to represent that we want Yerashamayim and we want the Yerashamayim to extend and to inspire us to a sense of Yerashamayim. The Imre Pinchas says that the Chala you're supposed to make the chala look like matzahs to remind you that the gates are still open until Pesach Sheni, that the gates of Shemayim are still open. The Tzvi Latzadik says that it's based on the fact that the Rambam writes in El Chazchami to Matzah that there are eight mitzvahs associated with matzah. So we put a key, Mafteach, which is pes, pas, pas, bread, um, uh, ches, eight mitzvahs, and uh, how does it go? <laughs> I forgot already. Pas, eight, eight mitzvahs, and mitzvah, pas ches matzos. Mafteach is pas ches matzos. That we have uh, with the bread eight, mat- eight, eight mitzvahs of matzah that we are trying to regenerate through, uh, through, through the mitzvahs that we do after Pesach. We're showing that the message of the matzah stayed with us. These are all the Hasidish explanations. So why wouldn't you do it? Like I said to my mother, I can't believe you're actually putting a key in your challah. And she said, What do you mean? What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Why not? 
So why not? There are two possibilities. Why not? Number one, it's an issue of tamtia and Meshem Kecha that we're supposed to do mitzvahs of a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kodesh Baruch Hu said to do what we're supposed to do. To make up new rituals, uh, new that, that are pretty much empty, it's just a violation of Tamti Yem Kecha. Very similar to the discussion in the Rishonim about uh, doing things for refuah that are, let's say, you know, holistic or, you know, things that are Eastern medicine, things that are more ritual kind of things. Can you use those things for refuah? So the Rambam writes that anything that can't be scientifically proven is not something you're allowed to do. It's a violation of Tamti Yem Kecha. And he says, if it's not scientifically proven, you're a moron if you think that, that it's going to help you. The Rashba says, the Rashba Nechuva in Chelek Aleph, in Simon Tuf Yud Gimel, I think it is, the Rashba writes that that's not true. He doesn't, he doesn't believe that it has to be scientifically proven. He says it just has to be something that you see works. You don't have to understand why it works. Scientists don't need to understand why it works. Rashba gives amazing examples. He says, for instance, no scientist in the world can explain why when you take two metals, sometimes they connect to each other, and sometimes they like repel each other. Describing magnets. No scientist in the world can explain it, but you can't deny it. It works. It's right there. So if you have a medicine that works, even if you can't explain the lumbus behind it, if it works, you're allowed to do it. So that's why you're allowed to take medicine. That's why you're allowed to take medicine. As long as it works, you're allowed to do it. That's why. That's what it means. That you don't have to worry. As long as it's rufua that works, so you can use it. If it doesn't work, so then you're not allowed to use it. If it doesn't, if you don't see that it works, then you're not allowed to use it. Then it's a violation of uh, of tamim tia. The, uh, the, the other issue, very much related to Tamtia, is Darke Amori. There is an issue to do things that are the ways of the Amori people, which means any time we have a practice that comes outside of the context of Torah, of Torah mitzvos, we always have to be suspicious that it's based in Avodah in some way or another. And we always have to be concerned, where does this practice really come from? For instance, the Tosefta Masech Shabbos in the seventh paragraph of Masech Shabbos says, to wear red strings to ward off Ayin Hara is Darke Amori. That doesn't come from our religion. It comes from another religion. For some reason, everybody's bubby is very uh, neurotic about it, that you, have to, that you have to do it. But the Tosefta in Shabbos says, that, that's Darke Amori. So anything that you have to be concerned, that it comes from some Eastern religion or some other, some Avodazara practice, so that's a problem of Darke Amori. So is there any concern over here about these breads? So around Pesach time every year, there is a Christian holiday called Easter. If you look up online like I did, you will find that there's something called Easter breads. On the Thursday before Easter, you're supposed to bake special breads. In those breads, not you, <laughs> Christians are supposed to bake. And in those breads, they either shape the breads in a unique form, like small and round, almost like a matzah, or they imprint on the bread a cross. The picture of a cross. That's what the imprint they make on the bread. If you've ever seen old keys, they look a lot like a cross. And that's what they dafka do at Easter, which comes around this time of year. So somebody got it from somebody. Either we got it from them or they got it from us. I know where my money is, but whatever. Either we got it from them or they got it from us. At least the chashash that it's Darke Amori. At least the chashash that maybe this doesn't come from the purest sources in the world. You could have such a chashash. So, in conclusion, Rav Shechter, I asked Rav Shechter about this. He said, "Yes, Darke Amori. That for sure, it's definitely Darke Amori, and therefore it should be discouraged." Let's say you come from a Hasidic background and you say, "Look, I got the Abderav in my corner. Abderav versus Libowitz. I'll take the Abderav every time." So, okay, good. You're going to do a lot, but at least do it for the reasons that the Abderav said, not because ah, I heard it's a school for Parnasa. What does the Abderav say? That it's supposed to. It's sometimes you do a Misa to inspire certain Machshavos. So you're doing this Misa to inspire the Machshava that all food comes from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, that all Parnasa comes from a Kodesh Baruch Hu. It's exactly the way the Mishnah Brewer explains another very popular school of saying Parshas Amon. 
What does Mishmur say? What's the point of saying Barzaman? To remember that everything comes from the Barzalam, that nothing's up to you, that there's no magic trick, there's no school that's going to work. It's all about increasing your Amuna, that it all comes from Kodesh Baruch Hu. So understand that that's what the Mafteach is, that I'm reaching out to Hashem. I want to create a relationship with Kodesh Baruch Hu. So if anything, if anything, so very similar to what the Gemara Rashan Davchavtes says about the Nachash that Moshe Rabbeinu made, that what he puts, sticks the Nachash on the stick. So the Gemara Rashan says, how does that help by looking up at the Nachash that you're going to live? So the Gemara says, no. He looked at it, people look at it, and then they look up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and they say, oh, I realize I'm in the hands of Hashem. And that's what helps. It's not the Nachash that helps. Of course not. You think a key gives you Parnassah? A key in your Chala gives you Parnassah? How, how primitive are we in our thinking? A key gives us Parnassah. No, it's the Emunah HaKadosh Baruch Hu that gives us Parnassah. If you need a key to give you Emunah, so okay, and you, and you come from a Hasidish background, and you don't believe that it came from Easter bread, so okay, maybe, maybe you have, you have what to be Samechan, you like the Abderav more than you like me, that's fine. But, but at least that it should really be based on Emunah. It's just very important in general, in terms of how things work. There's no such thing as like, if I poke HaKadosh Baruch Hu here, then Parnassah comes out over there. You know, it doesn't work that way, that you can just like, do certain things that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you know, if I do this, then it means that I'm working something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to, he doesn't have to give, he doesn't, it doesn't work that way. The way it works is we have a Muna, we do Torah mitzvahs, we keep on saying, we've said this many times already. You do Torah mitzvahs, and, that, and that's the skula, that's the skula for success in everything.